everybody. I'm Joanna. And I'm Jenny. And this is Hyphenated, the podcast about living in the hyphen. And I haven't seen Jenny in weeks. And I'm just so happy to see your face. It feels so weird to like go weeks without talking. I know. I hate it. I really honestly hate it. Um, It's like I feel like I'm missing a part of me. Oh, my God. Missing a part of me. (laughs) Missing a part of me. I just imagine just um, like <laughs> a, images fading into each other of you crying um, while like rain falls down a window. <laughs> like an 80s um, ballad. Yeah. And then me too, you know, and it's just like we're, it's because we live far away in L.A. Like you live in Burbank. I live in Santa Monica. <laughs> That's the equivalent of saying I live in Arkansas and you live in Wyoming. You know, like it's for real, bro. I was actually in your neck of the woods yesterday because uh, there was a Larry David pop up. up. Oh, right. The um, Latte Larry yeah. pop-up in Venice or in Culver? In Culver, we went. Yes. Uh, that's very close to my house. Yeah. Lucky you. Um, I have been spending most of my time, pretty much, watching movies that are nominated for the Oscars or like new shows. I feel like <clears throat> I'm going through a consumption era. I think consumption means something horrible, actually. Wait, isn't consumption illness that Victorian people used to die from? Yes, they call it the consumption. They also called it the lung, otherwise known as tuberculosis. Oh. (laughs) Okay, just to be clear, I don't have tuberculosis. I don't have tuberculosis. Um, I do, however, have an itch, an ache to sort of be up with whatever everyone's talking about that you're isn't a consumer. Taylor Swift. You're a yes. consumer. God bless Taylor Swift, by the way. I like I respect I just want to say I respect her. I think she's a great artist. She's not my personal cup of tea, but I do respect her. With ha- having said that, because I'm afraid I'll be assassinated, um, I am a little <laughs> bit like I'm done with the Taylor Swift news. I want to talk about literally anything else. Yeah, I mean that's how I've always been personally when something's oversaturated in the media. Yeah. Um Maybe that's the hipster in me. I just like I'll like an indie band, and the moment they start getting played on the radio to death, I'm like, okay, this is over. <laughs> oh my god, you are a hipster. <laughs> you are a hipster. Because the radio, here's the thing. I think it's just like oversaturation is what kills mm-hmm. it for me. It's I don't want to hear this song 40 times. I don't want to see this celebrity on my feed all day, every day. It, yeah. It gets tiring. And I think that's even with our food. Like, you know, I guess it's different for people on the spectrum because I know we all tend to have our comfort foods and we eat it on repeat. But you know what I mean? Like, at at, at a certain point, we do get grossed out after eating the same thing for a while. You know? Yeah. It's interesting that's what, that's how, how I see it. Margot Robbie, actually, she's a great producer, by the way. She has her own production company and she actually makes, I think she produced Saltburn, for example, which is a great movie. I, I love that movie. Not everyone loved it, but um, she produced Saltburn, wasn't in it, but she was interviewed recently mm-hmm. and she was like, yeah, I'm going to be uh, away from the from the limelight for a bit. I don't want anyone to see my face. People are probably sick of seeing me. Uh, that was my Australian accent. Um, <laughs> but that was really wise because she's like, mm, okay, I need to make people want to see me again, miss me a little bit because... The that's saturation very smart. of it is too much. Yeah. That's very smart. I don't think enough people think that way. Um, so that's freaking awesome that that she said that, you know, and that's her trait of thinking. 
Have you watched a lot of movies that are like sort of because, you know, because of the strike, a lot of the movies that were supposed to come out didn't come out because then actors wouldn't be able to market them, them and promote them. So all these great movies came out like at the same time, I feel. Um, have you been have you been watching them? I'm notoriously terrible when it comes to films. I'm a TV person. So if I watch the Emmys, I know mm-hmm. almost every single show. I've watched every single show. When it comes to the Oscars, I am extremely clueless. I'm like, I don't know who to root for because I didn't watch <laughs> any of these films. I did, however, recently watch The Holdovers. That one was actually a very good film. It's one of my favorites that I've Jamani. seen in a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like that's my type of film, and I love the soundtrack because again, I'm a hipster. So, I <laughs> a tropical hipster. Um, pero I haven't, I haven't seen. I don't even think I've seen any of the other nominate. Like I don't even know what's nominated. I am that bad, okay? When it comes to the Oscars, like if you want to talk to me about freaking all the big TV hits, I got you. Mm-hmm. No, I get what you. I, like yeah, movies. Now, I mean, the average movie used to be 90 minutes long, and I don't think there's a movie that's nominated that is under two and a half hours. Like, it is it, the fact that movies have just progressively gotten longer. I, dude, I watched uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, and I wanted to die. Um, I, okay, I'm not going to, my opinion on the movie is I didn't like it. I can say it's a good movie. I know it's good filmmaking. I personally didn't like it. I thought that it like, it was too like removed from emotion. And I think that was like the, the intellectual point of the director. Like I think Martin Scorsese was like, I don't want you to feel anything just like these, you know, characters. Mm. And, but you'd have to do it for almost four hours. I got out of that movie and I was like, I, how, how, how am I expected to sit there? For nearly four hours. Yeah. No. Yeah. Illegal. I mean, for for people like us with ADHD, it's a nightmare. I, Immediately I can't. jail. These people I should go to jail. <laughs> I can't sit through. Um, that's why I prefer watching movies at home, to be honest, because I can multitask. I can be on my Switch or on my phone or working on my computer. Um, I can take a break mentally. <laughs> yeah like you know what they should just bring intermissions oh my god for, I used if, to go, if movies are gonna be that long claro, you know what i mean claro i used to go to a movie theater my the the town in switzerland i used to go to because my grandpa would go every year um had a had a movie theater and it didn't matter the length of of the movie right in the middle they stopped and you had 15 to 20 minutes to go get a snack to go and I I just thought this was brilliant and genius because I'm like mm-hmm. first of all better for the movie theater you have otra tanda de gente pa- gastando plata and their snacks and their drinks brilliant yeah. and then as an audience member it's like uh, sometimes I'm like I can't I can't, I need I need a break like this is far too right. much and it sucks too because if you got to go to the bathroom especially with that long of a of a film playing I, I always feel awkward because it depends where I'm sitting. I'm going to get in the way of people. Then you're going to miss parts. So you have to like calculate, okay, what when is the best time to leave <laughs> that I'm not going to miss anything major? So if films are truly going to continue on this trend of being over three hours or at three hours, there should be some kind of intermission, 10-minute intermission. 
for the sake of just bathroom usage. Jesus Christ. How, how, how are presidential candidates not talking about this? How are they not making know. this part of their platform? It should be a talking point. <laughs> this, this should be a talking point. This and, and daylight savings. Just these two things. I, imagine if politics was like that. Maybe in Norway it is. Like, that's all they have to worry about. It's like intermissions and in movies. This is what my platform is about. Uh, and removing daylight savings times. Those, those are those are two time sensitive things yeah, that I just. Bro. Um, well, I've recently been watching Griselda on Netflix, which is, you know, a series about the infamous Griselda Blanco, a one of the few, if not the only, I don't know, um, female mm-hmm. drug dealer. It's not even dealer. It's like drug head drug honcho. Lord. Drug or, lord. Don't, I was don't like, they drug call god? Them, well, don't, when it comes to women, do they call them madrinas? Am I going crazy here? What, a madrina? Because the godfather. I guess they're... Oh, so okay. I like Madrina because like, it's like, it's the godfather. But well, technically like drug lord. Technically drug lord. Drug I don't lord, like yeah. that word. You're going to call it a lord. You know what I mean? Call him like a drug drug CEO. You know, there's some like (laughs) problematic CEOs, but a lord? Yeah, I'm like, also, what century is it? I don't, okay, continue. (laughs) Okay, so I'm watching Griselda, right? And like, Uh I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I'm personally, hablando de saturación, being saturated, I'm a little saturated with the whole drug kingpin narrative and storyline like especially you know my husband's colombian his family his parents watched it but then my sister-in-law was like bro i'm not fucking watching that i'm done i'm from colombia como que no quiero más cuentos así me da la dilla but then simultaneously i'm like okay well but like this story is pretty astounding it's like an insane story it's a story that i think is worth telling it's not a story that isn't worth telling mm-hmm. um it casts and employs a bunch of Latinos de Latinoamérica, o sea, incluyendo Carol G. Eh, and, right. you know, a lot of people I know worked on it, um, whether it be in the edit side of things, in the pre-production, like, it really employed a lot of people, the directors from Cali, Colombia, like, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it is something that is on number one on Netflix that is produced and created by Latinos, but simultaneously it is reiterating the same storylines that we've just seen a billion times before. Right. Here's my my conundrum with this. I don't think there's anything wrong telling that story mm-hmm. because white people from the beginning of white people <laughs> have gotten the opportunity to tell every story under the sun. Every genre... Mm-hmm. Every true, you know, every story, whether fictional or based on a true story, they've they've gotten to do it all, and it's a okay, from serial killers to slasher murderers to fucking psychopaths to also drug lords to gang leaders to mobsters to list goes on and on, and so I'm like. Yeah, Latinos should be able to tell the same fucking stories because these are also true stories like Pablo Escobar and Narcos and now Griselda, right? The issue at large here, I mean, I feel like we can write a book on this, so I'm going to try to keep it concise. A, not enough of our stories get greenlit. So then the problem is when there's like the five Latino shows on air and then one or two are about drug lords, 
then you're like, what the fuck? It's like um, 50%. It's like, right. oh, just 50% you're like, of our Exactly. Stories. You're like, what the fuck is this? Is that all you see us as? As like gang members and drug lords? The other problem is... Uh, sorry, I just blanked out because I, there's so much in my brain regarding this topic. Um, <sighs> you look like that meme where... Um, El de Hangover. Oh. <laughs> Zach Galifianakis. You look like yeah. the Zach Galifianakis in the casino... My my eyeballs are like straight to the ceiling because I'm trying to catch all the thoughts. Um, yeah, it's lack of stories getting greenlit, right? And then what I find fucked up though is, for example, and I can't go into too many details with this for mm-hmm. you know legal reasons, but there was a show that I was pitching not long ago, a year and a half ago, with a Latino-led development company, all legit people in the industry. And it was a true story. So think about Leonardo DiCaprio and Catch Me If You Can. Once mm-hmm. again, white guy, they get to tell this story. And that was also based on a true story. It's a very similar story before Latinos. This was uh, had nothing to do with drugs, had nothing to do with gangs. Sure, there was some of that sprinkled around in, in the true story of it all. But at the end of the day, it was about a young Latino who was a genius. Mm-hmm. Okay? On the spectrum, nerdy. Not your typical macho fucking gang member, whatever. Whatever stereotype that comes to your mind about this specific person, not at all a match. And this is a real person. It's a real person. This is like based on... Based on reality. And I get it. He's, by definition, yes, he's a criminal, but he's also a genius. And this has more... There was so much more to the story. And we made sure to really make it about the family and... And really strong female characters, just very fucking good, very funny. It was kind of like a dramedy. And across the board, every single network we pitched it to loved the pitch. They said it was one of the strongest pitches they've ever heard in a while. But they couldn't take on a show about a Latino criminal. So what you're saying is that there there was a time, or if it's still happening, where... People were like, no, we don't want to paint Latinos as like evil or bad. Or flawed in any flawed way. Right. But then what I don't understand is I get it. I get that. I don't get it. I mean, I I can wrap my head around the logic of it of like, oh, we don't want to we don't want to be written up in the Atlantic for making a story that's problematic and reiterate stereotypes and all that stuff which i don't think this particular dude I, I don't know what his name is but although problematic you know breaks stereotypes uh that people might have about latinos um right but but the the irony is that these shows which are super violent which there's a lot of flawed care the characters are inherently incredibly flawed these shows, these narcos, these Griselda shows are incredibly popular. Like, there's a reason they keep on being made. It isn't because they're they like... They do, do very well. They, it's an easy sell. It's like La Reina del Sur. That one did si. super well si. also. Like, my mom. My mom binged the shit out of that show. It's interesting también porque la telenovela, mm-hmm. the telenovela, like, I think is evolving and changing. And... You know, some of the ones that you just listed are telenovelas, essentially. Pablo Escobar, the original Pablo Escobar that was, you know, done in Colombia. Right. Was a telenovela. It had like 120 episodes. Right. Um, 
ironically, I think the telenovela format, which is, you know, every day there's there's an episode and it, it goes on forever, I feel like is the most true to form way to tell stories this complicated because right. it, there's so many episodes you can see the character change and evolve and all this stuff. Uh-huh. And then for a lot of these streaming shows, it's like, oh, it's eight episodes and we cover a decade. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, I don't know, man. I think that we're simplifying these stories a lot. So then it's like, what are we going to sell? And it's like the selling is the violence. It's the sex. It's the this. It's like the most guttural things to sell to humans. Like, I don't blame them for wanting to sell their product. Like, you know, the irony is like they're trying to sell the product the same way the drug lords are trying to sell their product in the, the most flashiest of ways. Um, right. But... But it's like, you know, there is a reason why people are are feeling very frustrated because I, I, I don't feel it because I, I guess, I, I don't know, I, yo no soy colombiana, so I might have a separate, you know, opinion about this type of stuff. Like, do I feel saturated? Absolutely. But there's a lot of people that are like, bro, fuck this. Like, stop making these stories. But I think what you what you're saying is very true. If these stories were being made and there was just a bunch of other stories right. de Latinoamérica, right. que como que de Colombia, en, en, por ejemplo, en particular, que contrarrestra, eh, that counteracts eh, the, the, the amount of these type of stories. So I don't think people would be that upset. I don't think... No, that's no. what it is. Mm-hmm. That's Yeah, that's, that's honestly what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. If there were way more Latino shows and movies out there, various genres, various cultures, various skin colors, everything... Just like how white people have had their shows forever and ever, amen, we wouldn't be attacking every single Latino showrunner of the one show that's on air because it doesn't represent everyone's experience, whether it's via class or race or culture, like, oh, another Mexican show, or oh, like, this show is too too many white Latinos, or this show is um, another criminal like, that's what sucks is that we don't have enough stories out there. And so when the one story comes out, just like those networks had a big issue with the one we were pitching, they all agreed across the board that this is a phenomenal story. And the fact that it was based on a true story. And keep in mind, we were pitching this around the time that all these shows were blowing up on TV, these miniseries like... um the Anna Delvey uh, series, the Elizabeth Holmes series, the freaking Jared Leno series about WeWork. Oh, but yeah. Like basically what we, all the scammers. All white. All the scammers. All the, all the scammers, but they were all white people. But that was okay. This story has very similar. Um, it's very similar in that he's a scammer. Miami is a city full of scammers. Mm-hmm. Period. The end. I say this as a Miamian. You can talk to anyone from Miami and they will tell you it's it's this hustle culture, this I'm going to scam you. There's a lot of medical fraud, insurance fraud, like up the wazoo. And so that's that's a thing, right? Like, so we thought, oh, we got this in the bag. This is a fucking true story also. And it stars this guy who's autistic. And again, very similar story to Leonardo DiCaprio's Catch Me If You Can. And they just couldn't do it. And some of the networks even had the gall to say, well, if this is the one Latino show on our slate, it can't be about a criminal. And then I'm like, bitch, why is it your only Latino show on your slate then? 
Yeah, it's I think it's very I think it's very complicated and I think what a lot of people don't understand and I'm going to I'm going to not this isn't devil's advocate but I think this is more like insider trading. What? I don't know. Uh-huh, I'm listening uh-huh. to Martha Stewart uh podcast <laughs> about how much of a scammer she is and how mean she is, but we'll talk about that another day. Um but 99.999% of things that are pitched don't go anywhere. Like Right now I'm working on six ideas for shows that I'm pitching. I'm sure none of them will get picked up. Like the the amount of like death upon arrival of show ideas, no matter even if they're amazing, is super freaking high. So if you already have the problem that, you know, they're they're struggling with understanding a Latino story that doesn't fit the paradigm, specific paradigm and specific, you know, things that they need. Yeah, it's a, you're already at a disadvantage in a world where it's almost impossible to make it. Como que se pone, es imposible. Y como que you might have all of the things, all of the things in perfect motion and in, with perfect casting and with perf, like with the vibes are immaculate for it, but it's, it doesn't work out because of the timing or because it's, the person that you were pitching to was in a bad mood or so I would help if there were more Latinos in in executive positions I'm sure but even then I think it's like so hard that I just find it interesting that there's so many shows like, like so many drug lord shows like that's that's what I think I know is interesting. yeah yeah you know it's funny you, you mentioned that because I was just having that exact train of thought especially after what I went through trying to pitch a show that was very different, that was very family-centered, that was very much a hyphenated experience. Um, And I wish I could explain more here, but I can't. But I'm like, this is a show not about a Latino criminal, about a genius on the spectrum. And we don't get enough stories like that about Latino geniuses. And for some reason, that one doesn't get greenlit, but the drug lord ones do. I and just I'm think very, it's weird. And I'm Do you very know what con- I mean? That's like, what, exactly. Like, that's what confuses me. How many times? Me. How many times have they that's successfully gotten to a pitch room? And, and no one is like, bro, we already watched seven of these. No, every single time they're like, yeah. you know what? Yes. You don't say, you know, that's what I don't understand. <laughs> I think that's where I am a little bitter. It's like, okay, fine. You don't want to take on our story because this is an a flawed Latino character who technically is a criminal, but also brilliant. And this isn't your fucking hundredth drug lord story. And they were so scared to take it on because of that element. But I'm like, but then who are the people who aren't scared to take on the drug lord ones? I'm just baffled. (laughs) Wait, do you think we are? Okay. You know that like in the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, like every movie about italian americans was about the mafia like even analyze that which was a comedy with robert was it robert de niro and billy crystal anyway that movie was like a comedy about a therapist he had mickey blue eyes which was a comedy about a guy getting married and all of them every time there was an italian american it was like oh but he's part of the mob like you know like yeah 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 como que i feel like we have a lot in common with italian american creators como que you know, creators, directors, whatever, people, because there's this like subset of them that there are a lot of interesting stories. Of course, the mafia was an incredibly interesting moment in history. Like it is, it it has remarkable um, uh, 
plot points characters like it's already there like the sopranos is one of the best tv shows in the history of right right the human existence right and it is because it's so high stakes you have yes you have drugs yes you have corruption you have you know sexism you have violence you have ingrained in the concept and the world you have like the worst of human kind already in your world so it's like it appeals to our most basic selves. And so, I don't know, man. I would love to to see a conversation or something between, like, Latino showrunners and then, like, Italian-American showrunners from, like, 40 years ago and see if they had stuff in common. Like, I'm sure an Italian would go pitch something and be like, it's a it's an idea about a beautiful Italian boy who comes. He's like, oh, but is he part of the mafia? Is he part of the mafia? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, hey, as... As someone from Miami, I've also been... So this is what Miami people are tired of, okay? Miami. Every show, for the most part, that takes place in Miami, mm-hmm. it's usually... It's like burn notice. It's fucking like... I you know I, I don't want to throw other shows under the bus, but... but I mean, it's you're always, not throwing them under the bus. I think you're, you're just listing them. I mean... Here I am. I'm like, okay, I am the amiga. I think, I think a show that did a decent balance at it was Jane the Virgin, right? Oh, yeah. Because you have their family life in La Casa de la Abuela, which was very well set design, might I add. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see that that part of her life and then you go into like the fancy hotel drama scandal stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But so that one I definitely give a pass to, but there's a lot of shows that take place in Miami and even movies, and it's always about drugs. It's always about parties. It's always about South Beach. It's always like some scandal, violence, fucking strip clubs. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, yes, that's part of the culture, sure. <laughs> but I'm like, coño, bro, can we please get a show that shows Miami in a different light? And- that's actually what we were trying to do with this other show where we were going to show more of the family life and all of mm-hmm. that versus like the crazy side. But even without that angle, like just a show, bro, that is in Little Havana and it's not about fancy hotels in Brickle with like rich tourists from Europe. Like, can we not? Can we have like a low middle class show that takes place in Miami with a full spectrum of Latinos? Because again... Miami is not just Cubans and Venezuelans. Like, that's the other issue I have, too. I'm like, we are a really big melting pot of Latin America. And we are also doing a great disservice to that demographic when it comes to Miami-specific shows. But, so I feel, I get it. I fucking get it. Not just as a Latina, but even from Miami. All the stories are always the fucking same. It's always the fucking same. And I'm like, coño, like... Okay, I get it. South Beach. So then the problem is someone like me out here in L.A. tells someone, oh, I'm from Miami. Where does someone's brain immediately go to? They go to cocaine. They go to like yacht parties. They go to South Beach nightclub. And I'm like, we are more than that. Dude, Miami. God bless Miami. But every time I go, I'm like, I'm just hanging out with my family in a house with a lot of stucco. (laughs) I'm at a mall. (laughs) I walk on the beach. Uh... I see a Trump flag and then I go home. Like, <laughs> it's really kind of boring. <laughs> I eat a croqueta and call it a day. Um, and it's yeah, great. And I like, love it. 
there's just so much more to tell. So then that's why I'm like pissed because they they're like, oh, we can't we can't do that. Like this character can't be flawed or this this Latino dad in, in this show has to be fucking woke, even yeah. though, you know, like and I'm like, OK, this is unrealistic. Like we need to make characters flawed so they can grow and have arcs and make things interesting. And so there's conflict and also relatability and authenticity because no one's going to buy half of the shit. And yeah, yeah, I'm. I, I, but, uh, I yeah. think it's really interesting what you're saying. Also, como que the way that Miami is depicted, y como que yeah. como eso afecta a lot of how people perceive people that aren't from the place perceive it differently. And there's a lot of, o sea, there's positive externalities of when a show like represents a place positively. For example, the White Lotus, even though there's a murder in it. Spoiler <laughs> alert: you find it out in the first three minutes. Um, <laughs> like. The the um, amount of tourism in Sicily, which is where I believe season yeah, two. Yeah, season two. The amount of tourism in Sicily like incremented by like 200%. It was something ridiculous because everyone was watching the show and they were like, wow, it looks so beautiful. It looks so stunning. I want to go there. I want to, you know. So, you know, right. I'd say that's a positive. And I think that they, they depicted a Sicily in a way that was really wonderful the characters felt very rich very real very grounded very interesting right. um but then you have a negative externality like dark tourism and i was talking to my friend who spent six months in medellin y ella me está contando, she lived with um a tour guide and she was like she was telling me how so much even though medellin is such an amazing city so many cool things to do great transportation uh wonderful culture so much of the tourism is dark tourism and dark tourism is a phrase that basically means people that go for the wrong reasons for to a place and that mm -hmm. includes you know um going to sex workers uh drugs um looking at pablo escobar's like old house like all this type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think there is dark tourism in Miami. Como que yo sí creo que atrae, it attracts a type of tourism sometimes because of how it's represented in yeah. different shows. And yeah. so people create their, like the way that, it is remarkable how shows have a huge impact in how people perceive things that they don't know. Because that's their first, that's the first foray into it, mm -hmm. you know? And it sucks. And that's why, like, I've worked so hard to try to depict Miami in a in a different light. That's, you know, authentic to my experience. And again, it's not going to match everyone else's experience, but um, I, I get it. So it's like it's it's a very difficult debate. It's it's a similar debate to like shows about maids, you know, Latina maids. And I have family members who are house keepers and my friend's mom comes in and helps clean my house every now and then and she's a fucking whole ass human being like you know what i mean that that doesn't deserve that disrespect either so again i think it just comes down to like we just need more representation across the board because yes there should be stories about maids that are latina because they exist and they're real and they're people who have full rich lives and it shouldn't be a profession that that's looked down upon. I think that's the issue when it comes to the maid type storylines. I think you bring up a really important point, which is in in an in an effort to be like, we don't wanna we don't wanna touch stereotypes. We don't wanna dive into stereotypes. 
like there's a way of doing of telling stories that are very true that don't feel stereotypical right do you know what i'm saying como que entiendo porque i've been in meetings where people are like we don't want to we don't want we don't want to we don't want to do a maid in this show but like for example when we wrote uh when me and jasmine wrote princess of south beach which is a, mm -hmm. a narrative uh audio telenovela we wrote we had a maid but the maid i don't want to give anything away like is probably the most interesting character in in the show because she's it, it the maid part is just an entry point and then her character is just super super crazy and interesting and with a lot of different motivations and a lot of crazy history so the main right. thing is just like that's it como que como it's it's just it we're, we're also we also played on stereotypes on purpose we were like we're going to do the, all the stereotypical characters and then we're going to break the stereotypes by just making them interesting people right and so como que i think that there it, it's really hard when you know executives like people that green light series they listen to like a dozen pitches a day i don't know how many and i feel like it's almost like they don't have the time to to consider that something could be more complex than what so they they, they have these like trigger words so these right. trigger words are like a, a hard no a hard pass like no we, we don't we don't want we don't want to touch this because this is this might be too uh you know stereotypical we're gonna get in trouble for this um well, I think there's so much more nuance. Like a story could, a story can be really good while still having a lot of the archetypes that we're used to. Um, and oh, a hundred percent. I think I don't know if you remember the hullabaloo. Hullabaloo. <laughs> uh, uh, sorry, I love that word. Surrounding the Disney animated series Primos. Yeah, I do. That was crazy. That was crazy and also infuriating in so many ways. But, but wait, maybe we should explain it a little bit. This yeah, uh, there's it, an animated yeah. series that that sort of um, hadn't come out yet, and then Disney just posted their title sequence on a YouTube channel without much context, and that sequence got basically ripped apart online mm -hmm. um, with people claiming that it it wasn't representative of Latinos and that it fell into some problematic Latino tropes. Um, but there was just no no information about that this the show was based on someone's life yeah anyway so jenny go ahead um <laughs> so the show was based on someone's life um a los angeles native mexican-american and i think there was some flaws in the marketing where mm -hmm. they said it was a latino show and not a latin american you know hyphenated show that takes place in america that's from uh, an american latinos experience mm -hmm. so a lot of people in in latin america got wind of this show and thought it was supposed to represent people in latin america and they didn't understand that this show was actually for american latinos that's a whole other arroco mango but mm -hmm. for example it's again it's based on the creator's true life where every summer all her primos would come and stay in her house she even has a photo of her and all her cousins when they were kids in the Bible. And she had to share that in order to prove herself because I'm telling you, I mean, I, I know you know this too. They were all getting death threats. Yeah, it's crazy. It was really, 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 really bad. They were getting bullied relentlessly. Many of them had to like shut down their, their social media accounts temporarily. And one of the things that people had a gripe with was 
the fact that it was a household filled with cousins. And they're like, this is so racist or this is so stereotypical. And I'm like, first of all, (sighs) I'm like, I'm sorry. Yes, this is true. A lot of Latinos experience this. Also, the show is about the summer where they all come to visit. But even if it wasn't just a summer thing, why are you going to hate on and be dismissive of someone's experience? I and I and I tweeted about this at the time. I'm like, I'm infuriated as someone who also comes from a low income background that how come when it's a Latino show that is more on the poor side or, you know, like a a big family living under one roof. Oh, it's okay for full house to do that because it's a bunch of white people. But when it's Latinos, it's racist and stereotypical and like low, Mm -hmm. you know, middle income. Oh, that's racist. I'm like, so are we as Latinos just embarrassed? Is that what it is? Like, I'm not saying there's plenty of wealthy Latinos. There's plenty of successful entrepreneurs, et cetera, et cetera. And yes, we can share those stories too. But like, why can't we have blue collar shows? Why can't we show? Because all my fucking videos are representative of my upbringing in a low middle class household where we didn't have the nicest things and we had a lot of hand-me-downs and fucking like we would trade things with neighbors. Like I, I think it's terrible if other Latinos are calling that stereotypical. To me, there's, there's a much deeper issue there. Como una pena. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. oh, we can't, white people can't see that we're poor. White people can't see that we're this. White people can't see. And I'm like, why not? This is our reality. Like, that's what that's what really gets to me. And, and, and I know, I know there's people that can do things in a very um, tactless way that comes off very, like, mawkish. I don't even mm-hmm. know if that's a word. But you know what I mean? Like, there's a way to do it right. Yeah. And, and still and you can't properly represent. Before, right. You can't dismiss it before understanding and watching it. Right. Like, this whole dismissing of, of ideas and shows and concepts because of some... Honestly, it, it's annoying. Because <laughs> it's like... Mira, I understand the world is really complicated. I understand that, you know, there's a lot of shit happening and we're all struggling. And I get it. And we're struggling also to be seen and heard in a way that we feel good about and comfortable with. Um, But you, uh, people just, people, it is my biggest gripe. Yo creo que there's too many people with opinions. (laughs) I think people need to shut the actual fuck up. I think most of the time people's opinions don't need to be expressed because they don't have the information necessary to make the opinion. And this is not just about entertainment. This is about the world. And this is why the internet for me is like, okay, it's a beautiful place where we're able to, you know, we have knowledge at our fingertips, but simultaneously, it's also a place where everyone thinks that because they have access to the information, even if it's minimal, their opinion not only needs to be heard, it needs to be like plastered everywhere. Y yo creo que mucha gente create opinions on shows and and uh, movies and, well, obviously, politics and people and, and 
you know, geopolitical conflicts. They make their opinion based on very little information. They make it a talking point. They feel good about destroying something or saying their opinion loudly or abusing someone online because it makes them feel holier than thou. Mm -hmm. And I want all that shit to shut the fuck up. I'm done. Bam. Drop my mic. I can't. It's an Thank expensive you, mic. I don't want to drop it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I am with you, man. I, you know, I'm at a loss a lot of the time. And I myself am in the process of pitching and, and working on stuff that I would love to see someday yeah. on television and I'm already terrified because I've heard so many horror stories from even from you my my friends who are TV writers showrunners etc um who are latino and and other people of color my asian friends my black friends who have gone through similar situations with these executives who uh I mean, essentially, are trying to water down everything about us. It, none of it, again, none of it makes sense because I'm just like, I guess. Pero no te parece, o sea, people are always like, the executives, the executives. And I'm like, I don't know, man. It's the whole system. Like, it isn't. No, you're right. Like, it's not just person. the executives. Do you know what I mean? I, like, I said usually that too, a, yeah. Sabes, como que usually it's just a person with a job that is just trying to, it's just trying to do their job. And right. that job in a big conglomerate that just like a studio that bought another studio that bought another studio and now like you know everyone's getting fired and what the studio wants is unclear like it's the whole the whole environment is very complicated right now and and even the whole entertainment industry is is sort of struggling quite enormously it's really struggling yeah and so i don't you know another thing that i i sort of don't like is there's like villainization of like, oh, there's this, these people that are making it impossible. And I'm like, I'm sure that's true in some instances, but I think generally it's just the entire environment is problematic. Like, no, like it is. It is. You know, it is. It is. Como it's not just it, the execs. I don't know how to, how to, I don't know. I think the only way to fix it is to keep like just telling stories that are compelling. It's, you know, I mean, I, I, I you know how like every, it feels like every month there's a new article that is shared of like Latinos are not represented in Hollywood. I'm like, okay, bro. Like, <laughs> tell me something. Like, please. la misma mierda. Every like, I feel like I see this same article every fucking month. Times. And then all the Latinos in Hollywood start sharing it, right? But a lot of them point the finger solely at quote unquote clueless white executives. And I, I was like, mm. and and I tweeted. I'm like, listen, yes. These clueless executives are a problem, sure. But we're also the problem. Porque, <laughs> and again, I can't say much here. Porque I'll get in trouble, but... We don't want to get in trouble, Jenny. We I don't mean, get in trouble. I mean, Joanna, like, you and I have had these discussions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of folks within... Every community has it, though. Like, again, I talked to oh, all yeah. my friends from various, the LGBTQ plus community of Hollywood, the Asian community, et cetera. It's, 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 it happens in all the communities, right? So it's not just Latinos. Where even within our own community, there's a lot of gatekeeping. There's, there's just so much there. So we need to look internally. We, mm -hmm. Every time one of these articles comes out, we can't just keep pointing the fingers at executives. 
because Central. enough of us have experienced negative situations within our own people. Es muy fácil point the finger. And again, I'm not saying we're not saying it's not accurate. Like there's 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 an element of truth to it, of course. Um but just like everything in the world, everything's so much more complicated than what you read in an article. And then, it, you know, like, oh, it's because of these people. No, I think it's more complex and complicated. And I I don't have the answers. But the only thing I do know is that I don't think anyone right now has the answer. So the best thing we can do is is continue telling stories and continue pushing and continue helping those around us to get in the door and work with them. and. I think ultimately that's that's what's going to work um, instead of these incendiary, you know, a a angry tirades on the Internet. Like that doesn't help me. I don't know where, where this is getting me. I don't know mm -hmm. what I, what is this, how is this helping, bro? Um, but there's other yeah. things that are helping. Like I do think that there's more production companies that are, you know, trying to push more different types of stories and diverse storytelling and i think that's great and i think ultimately we we might be moving in the right direction that might be me being a little too positive and naive but you know what it's sunday it's raining in la there's no <laughs> there's no sunlight in my life at the moment and i'm just trying to bring it in i'm trying to shine on <laughs> i i love how they're like there's a storm a coming i'm staring out my window I don't see a single drop of water. Y'all have y'all don't know what a storm is. Anyway. Yeah, you're you're like, bro, in Miami, people be like, ay, vamos a la playa, a hurricane passes. Okay, let's just like chill in the car and then we'll a hundred percent. That's not even an exaggeration though. That is not even like torrential downpour, palm trees falling, fucking someone's cat just midair. Um, that is Miami weather. That's a storm. I'm looking out here and like you know, say I see a leaf. And that's pretty much it. And people Blowing are like, by. Yeah, stay safe. Stay safe. Don't go out to drive. It's, it's really dangerous. It's because I'm like, it's like. raining. Dude. Do you not know what rain is? Like, it's fine. I think that this is a metaphor to everything we've been talking about. It's like, yeah, we've gone through shit. We, we can figure it out. It's fine. Like, why are you making such a big deal of something that we can we have the strength to figure out? Look at look at this. I mean, I just like think a, also people are looking in the wrong direction. Like, I think, again, everyone's like, oh, look over there, the executives. And it's like, well, no, look in the mirror, too. Yeah, it's look like, at, oh, my God. Look at like your the peers. Rain. The right. rain is the problem. No, the infrastructure is the problem. Why did why did you build houses made, like from cardboard? This is, these are cardboard houses in a valley. What did you think was going to happen, Los Angeles? <laughs> the rain isn't the problem. <laughs> like, it, your, your fucking structure is the problem. Right. Oh. Man, I wish I could say so much more. Then I'm going to have to tell you, I'm going to have to tell you privately after we finish recording because. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I don't mean to leave y'all on this like ledge of chisme, but I mean, it, it, it be what it be. Um, Dude, but... what a great name for something. The ledge of chisme. <laughs> I want like a telenovela called the, le the ledge of chisme or like a, a TED talk. Some... Where a, a neuroscientist tells you why you just you at the... get off on chisme. The ledge of chisme. It's, it's, but it's like unfortunate chisme. It's chisme that I wish didn't exist. It's chisme that infuriates me. And again, it is chisme that has to do with what I'm talking about right now, which is we also need to look within ourselves, within our own communities, 
because we are also a massive part of the problem as much as we like to point fingers at the five white CEOs. You know what I mean? Bob Iger loves our podcast. He listens to our podcast every freaking week. I'm and sure he's he does, like, yeah. He's not helping us, though. All the time, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of really bad infrastructure, I'm not even kidding you. There's water in my bedroom right now coming from outside. I have to go God. clean it. God. I, what in the actual fuck is happening? Anyway, um, God bless you, my friend. God bless you, too. <laughs> Wait, what's the cheese thing? So...